Welcome to the Hunting for Purpose podcast, the official podcast home for all human design manifestors. I'm your host, Holly Marie, a 4-6 clinic manifester, a certified human design teacher, and a manifester who is following her own creative urge to facilitate a thriving global community of aligned, powerful manifestors. Wherever you are at in your manifester journey, or even if you are here just because you love a manifester and you want to understand them a little bit more, this podcast is the place for you. Stick around for in-depth teaching, for real-life practical tips and understandings of the manifester journey, and how to become aligned and powerful and thriving as a manifester. You are here for global impact. You are here to change the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Hello, hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. We are really getting close to 50 episodes. I think this is episode number 44 or somewhere around that, which is pretty wild and pretty amazing to just look back on this journey of the Hunting for Purpose podcast and realize how many episodes have been recorded and the impact that this has had on people, the responses that this gains from people. I was I was looking back through these all of the old episodes the other day and really looking back at, you know, the first I think probably 10 or 15 or so episodes before I moved into just focusing on teaching manifestors. And those episodes are, of course, not manifestor specific. They're much more about general spirituality. There's a number of episodes that were recorded throughout um, all of the, you know, the rise and awareness of racism through all of the BLM marches. And I decided looking back through those that I really wanted to keep them. I'm really just keeping them there because I think that we have this tendency as humans to get really insular and get really focused and just super linear on, no, this is my lane and I'm just sticking in my lane. And so, you know, for me, that would be, I only speak about manifestors. And so I have to remove everything that's not about manifestors, but manifestors are not linear, right? Manifestors are not in a box. We, we travel a very wide road and a road that is always turning corners and always changing. And I think that for me, having the opportunity to look back on this, this pathway and this journey that I've been on really just gives me a a further permission slip. It gives me this sort of breathable sense of expansion to say, well, if my road turns corners again in the future, it's going to be okay because look at all of the turns that I've come through so far. You know, if I want to stop talking only about manifesto content in the future, I can do that. And that's okay because people will still be served. And, you know, the the experience of, of human growth, of having this connection with people where uh, I can initiate them into self-awareness and growth, that's still going to be there because I am a powerful being and I don't need to be one thing in order to fulfill that that purpose and in order to fulfill that experience. So that's a little bit of a sidetrack, but I really felt like I needed to inform you of that <laughs> right here. Who knows why? That's going to impact somebody clearly. Okay. In today's episode, I want to talk about intimacy as a manifester. This is a little bit outside the scope of relationships as a manifester, but of course, you know, intimacy has a lot to do with relationships. And 
I get asked about this topic a lot, pretty frequently. I think that, you know, every time I do some sort of um, community sharing or community invite to ask people what they want to hear about or, you know, in my DMs, all of those things, I get asked about relationships and intimacy or sexuality as a manifester. And I personally think that in a lot of ways, I'm I'm ill-equipped to be the teacher of this. I, I have a sense that there are other manifestors out there who are really being tasked with and and being gifted with the ability specifically to speak to sexuality as manifestors and also to speak to relationships in in all the complexity and the dynamic depth that is required for relationships so I, I'm not going to focus too much on content for that. You know, I've, I've decided that it feels most aligned for me to just share where I feel that urge coming through or that message coming through to be shared and otherwise really just allow that space open for other manifestors who are being called forth to share about it because, yes, it is something that we need to know. It is something that we need to grow in, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm the person who who should be the one or needs to be the one to do that. But In terms of today's podcast episode, sharing about intimacy as a manifestor is something I really do want to speak about. I really do want to give this episode to sharing with you my journey of intimacy as a manifestor and um, in the hope that throughout just sharing my story and sharing my experience that it will provide you with some epiphanies. It will provide you with some insights that perhaps it will initiate a a growth and a healing journey within you. So I'm going to make a disclaimer right here at the beginning that I am not a relationships or intimacy or sex expert by any means at all. It is not an area that, you know, I have done study or qualification into. It's not something that I've even dived too far into in terms of what other people's experiences are. But what I am going to share is is my personal experience and my personal journey here, which is very much aligned for me with, within my blueprint, within my human design. I am actually designed to share personal stories. And um, over the last six months or so, I haven't been doing that as much. I've been sharing a lot more teaching, really digging into the six line in my profile and, and you know, teaching and educating. And um, I have the 1648 channel. I've really been digging into that energy. But today I, I want to use my gate 35, right, which is all about change. It's about riding through change and initiating change in others by the sharing of, of personal experience and personal story. So I obviously am a manifester. Welcome if this is your first podcast episode <laughs> here with me. My name is Holly Marie. I'm a force explanic manifester and I've always been a force explanic manifester, of course. And my journey with intimacy has actually been a very long and uh, I guess like deep and slow journey. I I came from a family where intimacy was not displayed. Um, and it wasn't that the family environment was cold. It wasn't that, you know, uh, PDAs, public displays of affection, you know, were not done. It's actually just that we were not an emotionally connected family. Um, I came from a family where there was there was 
violence, there was anger, there was trauma. Um, my father himself is a manifester and, and certainly in his younger years, you know, when I was a child, he was very much a manifester out of alignment. You know, he was working very, very long hours. Um, he had three young children. He was very much from that kind of 1950s male archetype. And so he wanted to just go to work and come home and have dinner on the table. And I think that it was really that time of transition socially where we were moving from this sort of modular family unit of, you know, mum at home with two golden kids to, you know, like I was born in the 80s. So it was that transition time to like, no, women were, were going back out into the workforce and you were having more than two children and children were able to kind of speak and start having a place. And I think that just just socially and generationally, it was a real time of, of change. And for somebody like a, a, a male in a father position who is also a manifester, that was that was very misaligned you know he really struggled to understand how to navigate that and so he was angry he was angry a lot of the time and it was volatile and it was very very unpredictable and um that really set the tone for the rest of the family i i am the youngest of five children though my two eldest siblings are from my father's first marriage. And so I didn't grow up with my two eldest siblings. They were adopted by their stepfather. And, you know, that created a, a fracture in the family and, and this sort of um, separation and distance, you know, in the family unit. So I grew up with myself and, and my two immediate older brothers from my parents' marriage. And my two older brothers both struggle with mental illness, um, both struggle with uh, addiction and behavioural difficulties. And so, you know, by the time I was eight, nine, ten, you know, my brothers were, were older and they were already well into alcohol use and significant drug use and um, violent behaviour, you know, creating traumatic situations. And there was really no emotional support or any um there was no physical intimacy to nurture a child like me through that so i think that my understanding of intimacy really stemmed from that i mean we we develop our identity and our value system from um the ages of three to seven and then eight to fifteen and so i i was really kind of on the cusp of both of those things and intimacy for me seemed like an unsafe space intimacy for me seemed like this thing that you don't you don't receive and so therefore you don't want it because if you want it and you don't get it then you're left heartbroken so i didn't i didn't see intimacy as something that was valuable enough to desire i saw it as almost utopian right like that it was intimacy and safety in intimacy was so far away from my experience of normal that I just didn't even think that it was possible. I didn't think that that would be something that I would experience in my life, which really led me to going through my teenage years. And, uh, you know, I was a young girl with very classic, you know, father issues. I, I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be um, held. But 
I didn't I didn't want intimacy, right? I wanted fire. I wanted all of that uh, kind of like sexual tension and the lust and you know, driven by teenage hormones as well. So so what I did was that I just hopped from one relationship to the next from from the time that I was about 12 all the way through to my early 20s. Um, you know, I was very monogamous, right? I came from a Christian family. We definitely had those value systems. And so I didn't do one night stands, but I I just moved from one relationship to the next. And each relationship was very much about how quickly can I get into this physical state of connection, right? And, and of course, that threshold increased as I got older. You know, how quickly can we move from, you know, uh, just starting dating to like holding hands? Well, how quickly can we move to um, kissing? How quickly can we move to making out? How quickly can we move to oral sex? How quickly can we move to, you know, full sex? How quickly can we move from there into, you know, like um, more, I guess, like non-vanilla experiences of sex? And that that really reinforced all of those fears for me about intimacy and and all of that lack of capacity for intimacy that that in doing that I had actually developed all of this psychology around uh, physical connection as being something that was lacking intimacy and therefore I didn't need intimacy so it was it was never available to me and it was not safe for me to want it so I sort of created this reality where intimacy was just not important because I should I should never want it and I'm never going to get it and that's okay I'm totally good with that I was also a child that came from significant sexual abuse and that abuse was not just by one perpetrator. There were a number of, of, of predators and perpetrators of my abuse, but it was chronic and it was ongoing and that abuse did not stop until I was a teenager, until I was 13. So even though at the time I really had no kind of conscious connection to um, this fear of intimacy, this connection of of like intimacy and safety. Looking back, I absolutely see that that's the behavioral pattern that I was living out, that intimacy felt very dangerous to me, that I'd never seen it displayed in a healthy way. And so allowing myself to want it, allowing myself to be available to it actually seems like a very, very dangerous and risky move. When I began my relationship with the man who is now my husband, I followed exactly the same trajectory. For the first two years of our relationship, that's absolutely what the dynamics of our physical connection was about. There was not intimacy. There was not me feeling like I even wanted to pursue intimacy, that I wanted to have that closeness of that physical connection. It was all about sexuality. It was all about the thrill of the moment. It was all about that sexual tension. And when we had our first child, that really stumped me. It really kind of threw me. I very, very much struggled to connect sexually after having my child. And and anybody who's listening that's a mother will absolutely understand the physical changes that your body goes through, the ways that you change 
your perspective of people touching your body, people being near your body. I breastfed all three of my children. I had very, very difficult physical pregnancies. And so I kind of came out of that pregnancy feeling like I don't have any sexual drive. I don't have any sexual desire. In fact, I don't want anybody coming near my body and touching my body because all of my capacity for physical space is now going to my child. And it opened up this space in our marriage for me to begin seeing and for us to begin healing and working on together the question of intimacy. What's our capacity for intimacy, right? What do I desire in terms of intimate connection if it's not just about sex and it's actually about that intimate human connection? What do I want here and what am I available for and especially what are the ways that I feel like I'm afraid of that and I'm blocked in that? I would say that this has actually been a 10-year journey for me to really heal through that. And and we are now in a place, certainly in our marriage, where now sexual connection is about intimacy, that this is about this emotional vulnerability. And understanding myself as a manifestor has really impacted my journey. It's really helped to give me permission slips. It's helped to give me access of understanding within myself that even though other people have given me advice about intimacy, even though I've compared myself to other people, even though I've tried to be like my projector husband in the way that he views intimacy, I've tried to be like my friends, you know, I've tried to just kind of play along and follow the rules and and do it the way that everybody else does it. I've really been incapable of doing that. So understanding that I'm a manifester was really the first part in me saying, hold on, I make my own rules. I do this differently. My aura is different to everybody else's aura. My aura is closed and everybody else is open. And so even on that alone, we can immediately see that being a manifester means that we're going to experience things like intimacy, physical intimacy and emotional intimacy. We're going to experience them differently to everybody else because our energy lives behind this brick wall. Our energy lives behind this kind of energetic like no-go zone, right? This solid boundary that is always around us. So where everybody else has an open aura in some form or another and is really able to kind of more easily and fluidly move in and out of each other's energy, for a manifester, that's a conscious choice. We actually have to make the decision to be intimate. We have to almost uh, visually at least and energetically remove some of the bricks in that brick wall to allow intimacy to even occur. And this is where women especially, and I would say that men in as well in terms of emotional intimacy, women more so in terms of physical intimacy, this is where we struggle to wrap our heads around it as manifestors, that we look at everyone else and we play this comparison game and say, well, for them, intimacy is easy and it's kind of warm and it's nurturing and it brings them closer together. But for me, 
intimacy feels like a chore. Intimacy feels like not only is this the greatest gift that I could give somebody, but I have to, I have to make a conscious effort to do this. I can't just show up and be intimate. It doesn't just organically occur for me. And I know that there is nuance in every experience, right? There are going to be other areas of your chart for you that reflect how you involve yourself in intimacy. If you have an undefined emotional center, you're going to be, you know, very empathetic. You're going to intimately connect with people in that emotional way because you feel it. Um, If you have a four or a six in your profile, intimacy is going to be much more about this kind of relational connection with people. You know, that thriving off that sense of I am connected to you in this really intimate, meaningful way. What I'm really referring to here is this merge point of uh, sexual relationships and intimacy, right? When we are involved in sexual intimacy with a partner or somebody, even somebody that you've just met, that's the greatest act of vulnerability that we can have as humans, where we are emotionally laying ourselves bare and we're also physically laying ourselves bare. It's, it's an act of surrender. It's an act of saying, I believe that this is safe. This experience for us to be in together is safe. I trust you. And so I'm going to let my emotional guards down. And I'm also going to let my physical guards come down. I'm going to take off my clothing. I'm going to hand over my body for you to use to to bring pleasure. And I'm going to do the same thing back for you. And as manifestors, we're always doing that through the auric field. We're always doing it through this closed aura, which means you have to choose it, manifestor. You have to want it. You have to decide that you are actually available for it. And this is where informing starts to become really helpful in intimacy. When you are involved in these sexually intimate situations, informing is going to help give the other person access into your closed aura. It is also going to help you feel like you are able to communicate what you need and what you want through the experience. So informing, opening up your voice, speaking out loud, not just thinking it, not just journaling it, actually speaking it out loud and saying to your sexual partner, I'm, I'm choosing to be here, but these are the terms that I need. This is what I need for this to feel safe for me. This is what I want for this to be a desirable and pleasurable experience for me. And whatever that is, is entirely up to you and your personal experience, right? I want, you know, music. I want candles or, you know, I don't like it when you touch me there. I do like it when you touch me there. You know, I I don't like to do it this way. I do like to do it this way. This is what I need and this is what I want. What you're doing is that you're actually manifesting that reality. We know that when we inform, what we're doing is that we're clearing obstacles and we're clearing roadblocks in front of us. So you are actually manifesting that intimate reality that you need to be experiencing. But also what you're experiencing here is that you're allowing your partner that access into your aura. 
informing opens that brick wall. Remember, it opens a doorway in the brick wall to allow people inside so that they can actually feel intimately connected to you on a whole different level because they are allowed into your energy in ways that they are not usually allowed in. They can't naturally get into your energy like that, right? That's what they can do with everyone else, but they can't do it with manifestors. And when we inform, that's the gift that we're giving people. So the more vulnerable and open and honest you can be in your informing with your sexual partner, the greater the intimacy you are allowing them to have with you. Now, the final thing that we really need to look at when we're talking about intimacy as manifestors is, of course, about initiation. This is hands down one of the biggest things that I get asked about and um, have had several conversations with female manifestors in particular about this, because as female manifestors, we are here to initiate, right? And initiating intimacy, initiating sexual intimacy in particular is a bit of a double-edged sword. Because we come up on some social conditioning when we do this about, you know, being a ball breaker, about wearing the pants and all of these social narratives that we have about, you know, women are meant to be submissive and women are meant to want to be dominated and, um, you know, women are meant to desire to hand themselves over to their partner, particularly to a male partner. And so we as female manifestors who are designed to initiate we are designed to take the lead we are designed to be the ones who say actually I'm the leader I run this show it goes the way that I want it to go depending on on the psychology and the value system of your partner that could create some real issues because you're not playing by the social rules you're not playing by the social structure as a woman And I think that that's something that all female manifestors need to be aware of and to potentially address within their relationship, understanding this impact of our natural role and our our natural energy on the dynamics of our relationship and, and where that may be causing disconnection, where that may be causing conflict and confrontation and tension to be occurring. More so, I think that the area that we need to understand as manifestors in general, that is that because we are designed to initiate, right, our role here in the social collective is to initiate. In fact, being an initiator is our true strategy. The, the strategy of informing that we learn in human design is a technique that is, is here to support our strategy, and that's what makes it unique for us and, and also what makes it uncomfortable and difficult and unnatural for us because it's not a strategy. It's a technique that we use to support the strategy. The strategy itself is that strategically our energy is here to initiate. We are always here to go first. That is how you are energetically wired and designed. You go first manifester. You set the rules. You you determine the reality. You set the tone for the experience that not only that you have, but that everybody else has. And so of course in a relationship and in and in experiences of sexual intimacy, you don't take that hat off. You are the initiator. You are here to be the person that says, I'm going to create how this experience is going to go. I'm going to lead it. I'm going to go first. That does mean initiating sexual experiences. It does mean, you know, you you doing sexual advances, right? You creating the moment. You saying, hey, 
this is what I want. I want this intimacy. And I think that the real difficulty here with this is that we get tired. (laughs) We get really tired of always being the ones to initiate. We get really tired of always being the ones to go first. And sometimes we just don't want to. Sometimes we just want to say, look, can somebody else take the reins? Can somebody else just be the leader? Can someone else just be the one who creates this situation and who initiates this and who manifests this and who holds the energy here? Because I just want to rest. I'm just tired and I just want to hang my hat up at the end of the day and I just want to rest. And in a, in a relationship in particular where we're sharing this intimacy with each other, we can very easily create these relationship dynamics where your partner becomes very used to you being the person who always initiates. It's almost as if it, it creates this pattern of behavior where they've learned that they don't initiate, that they wait for you. And that's the natural response to the manifester energy. So as a manifester, if you want to have times of not initiating in intimacy, you need to inform. You need to open your mouth. You need to speak out loud and you need to inform and say, you know what? I just don't want to initiate this right now. I want intimacy. I want this connection. I want this experience together, but I don't want to initiate it. So I need you to take the lead here. And I have spoken to manifestors and certainly in my experience, I've felt the same at times. And, you know, manifestors who feel like that's such a burden that, you know, what I never just get to kind of experience somebody initiating things with me. I never get to experience somebody just um, having this this moment of, of nurturing and this sexual and physical and emotional intimacy with me. Does that mean I always need to tell them? And the reality is, yes, manifester, you do always need to tell them. But this is the same as as viewing anything in the manifester journey. When we give ourselves permission to be fully aligned as a manifester, when we stop looking at this as something that is happening to us and start looking at it as something that is happening for us, that you made this decision to be a manifester, you wanted this energy, you wanted this role. Nobody has thrust this upon you or forced this upon you. This is not a burden that you are carrying, but this is a power that you are wielding. And when we come into alignment with that and we really allow ourselves to have that expansiveness as a manifester, then we stop seeing things like, oh, I always have to initiate intimacy as a burden. And we start seeing that as one of the responsibilities that gives us access to this incredible power. Yes, manifester, you are powerful. Yes, manifester, you can initiate what you desire. Yes, manifester, you are here to impact the world. And that means you need to inform. You need to communicate because your partner genuinely does not see and does not know that you want a moment of intimacy initiated by them. You need to tell them. I think where this gets really curious is where we have manifesto manifesto relationships where, you know, there is a sexual relationship and an intimate relationship between two manifestors. So who goes first, right? And again, this comes back down to informing. How can you inform each other of what you both need? How can you take turns and hold space for each other and allow each other that that freedom and that expansiveness and that peace 
to just be the manifester that you are. Really connecting into this in my own relationship has been one of the key areas that has helped the intimacy grow between my husband and I. Going on my own personal healing journey of of understanding that intimacy is safe and that safety and intimacy, in fact, is available to me and that I can access it and I can want it and I can receive it. Understanding that really healing those those sexual wounds that I experienced and those intimacy wounds that I experienced in combination with understanding that I'm a manifester. And so, yes, I am here to initiate these experiences and it is also safe for me to do that. It's safe for me to experience intimacy and it's also safe for me as a manifester to, to initiate intimacy. That's really been where I guess the crucible of this growth has been for me. That's all I've got to share about intimacy as a manifester, but I'm really curious about other people's experiences and other people's insight and wisdom into uh, relationships, into intimacy, into sex and connection as a manifester. What have you journeyed through, Manny? What wisdom have you uncovered? What things have you found that really work for you? What things have you found that really don't work for you? Please feel free to reach out and share that to me. If you don't want to share that publicly on social media, that's absolutely fine. Just send me a DM and I'm happy to receive that. Um, But thank you for being here and thank you for listening. And I hope that this has been powerful in, in at least giving you permission to own your role as a manifester in intimate, intimate experiences. It's been an absolute joy as always to speak to you and I cannot wait to chat to you again in our next podcast episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. I hope that my words, my sharing and the spiritual wisdom that came through today's episode have a magnificently transforming impact on your life. If you love this episode, I would be so humbly and truly grateful if you would share it on your social media. You can tag me on Instagram or Facebook at The Holly Marie. And also please consider taking a moment to leave a review right here on iTunes so that this information, this podcast and this spiritual transformation can be spread to even more people. Again, I cannot wait to see you for the next episode of Hunting for Purpose.